You are listening to the Snowcross Podcast, presented by Amsoil. Greetings. Welcome to this week's episode of the Snowcross Podcast, presented by Amsoil. To thank you for tuning in week after week, our friends at Amsoil are extending their free shipping offer when you enter promo code FREESHIPSNOWX you're going to get free shipping on orders of $50 or more. So thank you, Amsoil. Today, we're talking to a snowcross and motocross legend, the man who redefined the riding style and build of the race sleds as we know them today. He's an X Games medalist and current snow bike racer, member of the Canadian Motorcycle Hall of Fame and the Snowmobile Hall of Fame. Man, am I excited for this one. Let's welcome Superman Blair Morgan to the pod. Blair, how are you? doing pretty good thanks for having me on the podcast yeah Blair you know it's it's a great privilege of ours to be able to speak with you you know you're a huge name in our sport and we appreciate you everything you've done on and off the track but let's bring it way back 1996 1997 your first race was in West Yellowstone can you bring us back to that day yeah definitely never forget that day it was um really an unknown you know i just went down just uh just uh a race that one of the articat um guys told me to come down to try out because i was doing pretty good at some local races uh, up here in canada so uh they actually wanted me to race the semi-pro uh i guess pro light at the time uh but i thought i i think i'm fast enough to race with these pro guys so (laughs) i uh, jumped right into the pro class how were your results that day you know your first day on the scene what what place did you finish? Well, it kind of was going good and bad at the same time. I ended up, uh, I think I broke, I didn't race uh, open class because I didn't have a mod. So I ended up just like focusing on the one class and uh, ended up doing really well. I think I won, yeah, I won all my qualifiers. So, uh, and then and going into the final, uh, I felt I knew I had the speed um, and, uh, end up leading the race right to I think like two laps ago and then Kirk uh Hibbert passed me and uh I just followed him I, I was happy with second I was happy just to be out there with those guys so it just uh it was a pretty amazing day actually for you know for the listeners who were some of the other guys back in that day you mentioned Kirk Hibbert and who were some of the other guys you were racing with back then uh yeah definitely a lot of the OG guys, you know, like Carl Shabitsky. <laughs> that guy? John, that yeah. guy? Yeah. Oh, um, man, that guy. Nathan Titus, uh, Chris Vincent, uh, Greg Hyde. Um, there's a lot. You know, back in those days, like I remember like going into the next year, like there was like 80 guys that would try to qualify for like at Duluth. So there was a lot of guys out there that was uh, – racing you know and they're all pretty good so it was tough to qualify for the finals which that'll kind of lead me to my next question is why do you think there was so many back then was it just different times like because if you're talking about 80 guys trying to qualify in what do you think the difference is now um yeah it was probably just the expense and um I think now it's it's tough to get in because a lot of these like even you see like uh, some of these kids in the 
amateur classes, they're done up pretty good. You know, they got like the big trailers, they got like everything's perfect, and uh, they got like the gear deal. So I think it's a little bit uh, people are they shied away a little bit. You know, just maybe they know they can't compete. But uh, obviously, yeah, the the sleds are all the same. You know, they're stock class, but they have mechanics, and so it's pretty tough to get your foot in the door for sure. For sure. Now, Blair, you really pioneered the modern snowcross riding style, likely due to your motocross background, you know, stand up, high flying and aggressive. And you also had an impact on the design of the machine. Can you talk us through some of those specifics? Well, yeah, like when I first uh, came onto the scene, I, you know, obviously uh, with the motocross background, I just always thought, you know, the way the sleds were designed back then, they weren't the best suspension. So obviously your legs are probably the best suspension you got. So uh, I just felt like um, you have better control while you're standing up too. You know, I, I don't know. I just didn't even really think about it when I when it was happening. And then for Skidoo to come out with the Rev, um, you know, that was a game changer right there. Um, and then everything's kind of went from there that was the first now Blair when you came onto the scene with the riding style that you did it was so new it was so innovative did that ruffle any feathers were people caught off guard by that did it cause any tension I know you had some rivalries over the years yeah a little bit you know it wasn't just the the stand-up riding style I kind of came from um someone that took it really really serious I think I think I kind of compare myself a bit to like Ricky Carmichael where you come in and took it really serious and trained and, you know, went to bed early, did everything right. Where I think a lot of these <laughs> snowcross guys, they, they'd like go and hang out at the bar a little bit and, <laughs> drinks and then on the weekend and then go racing and stuff. So I just kind of took it to the next level. So, you know, talking about rivalries and such, Blair, you raced obviously for numerous years, compiled many wins, championships, everything else. Who was the one guy the toughest competitor that really pushed you to, you know, be where you are now? Like, who was the guy who really pushed you? Um, I, I would have to say there's a few guys. Um, obviously, right at the beginning, it was uh, guys like Kirk Hibbert and Brad Paik, um, Tony Heikinen. You know, Tony was kind of the guy back then for the snow cross. And, um. Obviously, everybody knows about me and Chris Vincent. He was me and him were probably the biggest rivals, I guess, out of my whole career. Like that, we kind of didn't like each other on the track. <laughs> so, and then going from there, you know, there was kind of different eras I I went through. I think a lot of people underestimated DJ Ekstrom. He was kind of like my main guy that I, you know, was fighting championships for. Um, you know, the next step, and then obviously Tucker um, after that. So. There's a few guys, you know, that were always in the back of my mind when I'm on the track. You yourself, of course, a multi-time national motocross champion with CMRC. Other ISOC national champions race motocross as well, past and present, to name a few. Megan Brodeur, Cody Cam, Tucker Hibbert, Tim Tremblay. Is that just a coincidence, or does racing moto give you a competitive advantage versus riding moto solely to train or for fun? I believe it does. Um... You know, obviously you can't ride the snowmobile all year round. So uh, just being on a machine, you know, riding, uh, 
I think helps the most. Um, and you can see the guys that do um, a lot of riding and have good style um, with their motocross bike, you know, switching over into the snow cross. You've kind of like, you have no time off. I always felt like if you are off a machine for like more than three weeks, you kind of lose a little bit of like your speed, I guess. But um, I think definitely it helps. And speaking of some of these current riders, which current rider do you see yourself in? Like who is the next Blair Morgan? <laughs> um, that's a tough one, you know. Um, like I kind of felt like my style was like pretty smooth, never riding over my head. Um, you know, I would uh, – you know, obviously Elias is kind of the guy that's dominating right now, but his riding style is pretty different from what mine is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's a bit of a hang it out guy. Um, someone I think that's coming up through uh, Jordan LaBelle. You know, um, he's a really uh, fast kid on a motocross bike. Um, uh, and he's got pretty smooth style, you know, because he's kind of a smaller guy. He can't really get away with, like, hanging it out too much. And... Uh, just his determination and uh, just his will to win, I think, is really big. Definitely. But a big, a big thing is Adam Renheim is the only one that's thrown a Superman over the finish line in <laughs> many years. So he also, I would say, is pretty similar. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, he surprises me because he's a pretty um, no nonsense guy. I guess you could say, um, like he's. To him to throw out some tricks, I was really surprised. Um, but it was super awesome. That was like a highlight of uh, two years ago for sure. Yeah, the sport needs guys like that. Like stuff to spice things up. Like it'll never, obviously the only negative would be if he got hurt. But, you know, these guys are all so talented. They can make things happen. And it was just a cool thing. And especially for you, like going back, paying a memorial to you because that was your deal. And honestly, man, it was just awesome. Yeah, that was super cool. I remember, yeah, I kind of, you know, threw some tricks out. And then kind of later in my career, I didn't really do too many tricks because obviously the racing was uh, um, getting to the next level and, you know, the risk of injury and stuff like that. So I remember the announcers like Greg Kramer and stuff like that were always trying to, like, make me do tricks and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, at that time, too, the racing and the freestyle stuff kind of went their own ways. You know, guys like Levi um, kind of took it to the next level on the freestyle side. So, um, yeah, the freestyle stuff, you'd have to watch a different program to see uh, the Superman. <laughs> um, let me ask you about our Pro-Am women's champ, Megan Brodeur, our Skidoo rider. Can you comment on her riding style? Is You know, of course, this is there's so much that goes into it, but is this what sets her apart from the rest of the class? Or in, in your opinion, what sets her apart from the rest of the Pro-Am women? She works hard. Um, obviously, if you guys know her dad, um, he's got everything you know set up for her. They got like a practice facility. You know, the sleds are top notch all the time. She's riding out of one of the big teams, the Anderson Racing. <clears throat> She's got uh, all the pieces of the puzzle. You know, obviously. And then, you know, I've kind of seen her come from a few years back. You know, where she obviously she was younger too, and her strength now and her confidence you know 
it's uh, just all kind of fell together. You know, she works hard. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool to see to see her progress from you know, you know, she was go from I I wouldn't say struggling, but just like getting beat pretty bad by the other girls to dominating now. And that leads me to my next question. We've seen you quite a bit over the last few years. For those who don't know, what exactly are you doing on race weekends? I know you're very involved with the Skidoo teams. Yeah, I came back. Um, obviously, after I got injured, I kind of took a big break from uh, the whole racing thing. I you know, was racing basically professional for almost 20 years. So uh, I had just cool to for Skidoo to kind of want me to come back. It kind of started with Tim Tremblay. You know, just kind of Skidoo was kind of just, you know, getting uh, obviously Tucker was winning everything at the time and uh, Tim was their top guy at the time. And we just wanted to try to get him, uh, you know, just something to help him, you know, get back into us. And uh, that was how I kind of got back involved. And then I kind of just talked to some of the other riders and then Skidoo brought me on just kind of overall kind of mentor, kind of coach, I guess, for all the skidoo riders which is kind of i guess my title now as i kind of help out mostly the pro guys i guess i try to get back into the pits for some of the younger amateur guys but i'm pretty uh pretty busy with just the pro guys actually mm-hmm. no doubt that's so cool that you're staying involved we're, we're very lucky to have you like matt said and um yourself in tromlet to be able to have two iconic racers come back and give back to the sport like that man it's that's awesome yeah, I listened uh, to Tim's podcast with you guys, and uh, yeah, it's cool to see him back um, with, uh, like he was saying before, like how he um, is there for somebody that he use, you know, like he's even on the track with the guys. Like, obviously, I can't really do that level of uh, involvement, but for him to be out there riding and then actually being like faster than the guys he trains, and uh, those guys are super lucky to have a guy like Tim for sure. I have a question for you. So, you know, you're saying you mostly work with the pro guys. You know, Elias, Aki, Benham, Lincoln, all these guys. Who is the hardest one to train out of those guys or mentor? Um, which one, bullheaded, whatever it may be, which one of those guys is the toughest to work with? Um, they're all, like, the personalities of all these riders are quite different. Um, you know, obviously they all have like kind of their own training programs. Um, they all kind of have their own schedule and the way they go about approach to, approaching the racing. You know, I'm kind of there just to, for tips and stuff. Um, you know, I always say the best advice is no advice. These guys are at a level where they're probably a higher level than I am even. So, you know, I'm just in there kind of, Egging them on, you know, just cheering them on a bit. And uh, I would have to say the the Scandinavian guys, they kind of have like their own uh, their own deal. Like they're uh, not that they don't listen, but they kind of like have kind of things figured out. I think I don't know. You know, I, I would say Elias, like he's he's so confident uh, at the moment that uh, you know I I, I I talk to him a bit, but you can just tell that he just knows what to do. So I'd have to say, like, those guys, um, they really, like, are focused. And uh, the other guys are pretty cool. Like, 
I'd say Lincoln's the easiest guy to talk to. Um, you know, he's really like appreciative of like uh, the help that I give and stuff like that. So uh, it's it's a whole one scale, side of the scale to the other with those guys. And I know previously you've been on the microphone talking to the racers during the race. Are you still doing that? With Elias, he has his dad talking to him and probably in a different language that I know too. <laughs> um, that's uh, like I've been kind of mostly talking with Lincoln. Uh, I did with Tim a little bit a couple years ago, but it's been mostly Lincoln on the line. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool to be able to like kind of give a little bit of input um, uh, to the rider while he's on the track. That's pretty cool. So what are you, exactly are you doing? Are you just kind of, you know, giving him some line advice, telling him people might be faster in this area? What what are you doing when you're talking to Lincoln? Yeah, sort of like that. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I don't want to say too much. Obviously, they're pretty involved with uh, what they're doing at the time. And you don't want to, like, make them second guess their decisions also. So just kind of maybe throw out, like, uh, you know, maybe the, the inside after the finish line is a better line now, you know, something like that, or, uh, you know, what position they're in. And like, if they're, you know, if they're like losing time to leaders or gaining time, stuff like that, you know, something really simple that they don't really have to think too much about because they're basically, they're focused on what they're doing. Now, Blair, it's for the past three seasons, you've returned to racing in the Paris snowbike class. How has snowbiking gone for you? Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah, that's totally um, something that's been pretty cool that I kind of got into, I guess, because I never really got a chance to try this whole snowbike thing um, back when I was racing. Um, early versions of it, obviously, they're a lot better now. So uh, it's just a great event the x games to be involved and uh and all the other para guys and uh it hasn't gone that well for me results wise but uh, i've been having a, a blast and, and that's the most important thing i think it's just that we're having fun and and uh yeah it's been it's been great to be back kind of on on the on the starting line really in, in the race mm -hmm. so we can expect to see you next year hope so i hope all this other this quarantine and all this other stuff that's happening right now, I hope everything can rebound quickly. You know, everything's kind of up in the air right now. So uh, I hope everything goes back to normal soon. Mm, most definitely. Now, since we're talking about snow bike, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the moto side. Cause of course that's another huge part of your career. You have said in interviews that after your injury, it took you a while to want to get back into moto, to go into the races and, you know, being involved with it. And part of that was some things going on in your personal life. Was it that way at all for Snowcross too? Did you feel like you needed to take time away from it before getting involved again? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, uh, my injury is a, uh, was a life changer, so... Um... You know, I, even before I got hurt, I was already kind of going to retire and kind of, you know, like I said, it was like 20 years of solid, like devoting my whole life to racing. So it was nice to take a break actually um, from it and doing something different. You know, I had younger kids at the time and just being home with them and raising them properly and getting them, uh, you know, doing their, all their activities and stuff was kind of cool. Cause it was different stuff that I never got to do before. So, 
but obviously when racing's in your blood you kind of can't stay away for too long so i was itching to get back and get traveling again and and uh and it's cool to see like some of my input you know working out for others on the track so that's kind of cool to uh you know it's almost like i i swear like when i come to the races still i still get really nervous like butterflies in my stomach you know just like just hoping my guys do good so it's kind of it's kind of cool to have that feeling again sure now you mentioned your kids have the apples fallen very far did they take after you in a need for speed or have they not really been involved in motorsports um yeah no they don't race or anything um we just uh you know, they, my son rides and stuff still, but I don't know. I think he's just seen like how I got injured a few times and he's just too smart to be a, <laughs> a good racer, I think. <laughs> so he's kind of an academic guy. So, um, but, uh, yeah, we just did our own thing. We did like a, so a big soccer thing for him when he was younger. And then, uh, yeah, he, he still loves to ride, but, you know, it's kind of something that, Maybe he saw like my riding and racing became like a big job, mm. you know, and then I kind of missed just riding for fun mm -hmm. sometimes and he rides for fun. So I think that's great. That's awesome. Now, are you, are you riding for fun too? Uh, snowmobiles? Yeah, I ride a lot, you know, whenever I can. Um, we had a pretty good spring here, a late spring. So I was riding quite a bit. I was actually... A week ago, I was still riding, <laughs> so it's been fun. And also the snow bike thing that was good. I did a lot of practicing mm -hmm. for, for that before X Games, and and uh, other than that, uh, you know, uh, I actually ride the dirt bike in the summertime now too. So that's kind of a cool thing. I haven't done that for a long time, and that's been great for you know something to do. And then obviously, uh, Can Am side by sides in the in the summer too is awesome. Um, so yeah. I definitely need to get out on something, need the speed. For sure. Well, it's good to hear you're keeping busy. But this week we had an incident happen involving one of our riders, Racer Frank, who suffered a severe spinal injury after landing on his head in a motocross accident. We are getting bits and pieces of good news. And for those who don't know, the latest update as of today, April 28th, is that he is able to move his arms, feed himself, shrug his shoulders, and puff out his stomach, which is below his injury line. So um, from all of us at Snowcross, we're sending our thoughts and prayers to Racer Frank and his family. Blair, at any rate, it is a long road to recovery for Racer. What helped you get through that difficult period of your life following your injury? Yeah, I definitely, I've heard about the accident. Um, uh, the Skidoo race director, Kerry Daku, uh, I kind of knew even before he told me about it and filled me in from with some more information. And uh, yeah, obviously, hopefully he has a 100% full recovery. Um, but even to get to there, you know, it's a lot of hard work and uh, determination, I guess. Um, but yeah, just gotta, I guess, believe in yourself and uh, just have positive attitude and positive thoughts. I think that helps a lot. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, it was my children, I guess, that kind of got me through it. You know, they're, uh, they're really young at the time. So um, obviously I didn't recover fully from that, but uh, you know, it's been over, so for 10 years now, so it's kind of crazy how quickly time flies right now. But, uh, uh, you know, 
as long as you're uh, alive, I guess, you know, that's the biggest uh, blessing, I guess you could say. Well said. Well said. So, Blair, take us back to West Yellowstone one more time and try to recall that day, that track, the pits, everything surrounding the event. How would you compare the West Yellowstone event compared to, say, an event in this year's ISOC series? Yeah, the the comparison is, uh, like I tell a lot of people, they always ask this question actually a lot. So I'd say it's just a, a better show. Um, you know, we had back in the day, you could even see this in like in Supercross and stuff. Uh, you know, there's like hay bales, like actual hay bales, where now they have like the cool tough blocks with like the sponsors on them and stuff. And, you know, they got uh, the fireworks and the flames of the finish line and stuff like that. So it's it's just an all around better show, I guess. It's a it's a bit of a circus show, I guess. But uh, you know, it it it, lo- it looks good, you know, and, and it looks good on TV. So I think that's the biggest difference um, from the old days to now. It just looks good. Yeah, even all the riders and mechanics, you know, they all have the gear on, and your mechanic would have a plaid shirt on with jeans and you know <laughs> filthy hands on the start line. And, <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite different now. A lot more professional. Well, I think it's been decided. I think this calls for a throwback day where mechanics have to wear the flannels and jeans. What do you say? I think that sounds good. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be fun. Only if Blair gets involved. Yes. Blair's got to be involved. probably ripped up everything we hope you enjoyed today's episode with superman blair morgan as much as matt and i did thank you so much for listening once again head on over to amsoil.com fill up your cart with 50 dollars or more worth of product and enter promo code free ship snow x at checkout our friends at amsoil are extending that free shipping offer we will see you next week for the next episode of the snowcross podcast presented by amsoil You are listening to the Snowcross Podcast, presented by Amsoil.